Hello, I'm Victoria. And I'm Johnny. Welcome to Tasty Pages. A podcast for people who love cookbooks, food, and cooking. Each week, we'll discuss a featured cookbook from our popular Cooking the Books Instagram page. We'll also discuss the dishes that we made and rank the book in a variety of categories. Including food photography and styling, degree of difficulty, and of course, taste. The conversation is always unscripted, unedited, and uncensored. Spoiler alert, Victoria likes to swear. (laughs) All of this takes place in our living room in the heart of Minneapolis. Oh yeah, we also have a featured show topic with contributions from our listeners, and we end each episode with a lame food-related joke. Usually very lame. Hey now. (laughs) Join Join us for for Tasty Tasty Pages. This week's featured cookbook is... Treasures of the Mexican Table by Patty Heenich. Hi, Johnny. Hey, Victoria. How are you? A little sleepy. <laughs> I'll, I'll rally. Don't worry. Okay. I, got, I got a coffee drink here. Ooh, it's got a dent in it. The grocery store was not gentle with uh, stocking the coffee drinks on the shelf. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they got to be a little more careful with these things. It's precious cargo. Yeah, not so much. Mr. Brown, cappuccino iced coffee. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend them. You can get them at just about any Asian grocery store as well as... Uh, most non-Asian grocery stores these days, they're, they're popular enough, I would say. I think I've seen them pretty much everywhere. Little 8.12 fluid ounce can. They give you a 0.12 extra fluid ounces than, than what you'd expect. They probably just made that up. <laughs> I like to think they're being nice. <laughs> Look at me. I'm just calling them wires. <laughs> All right. Welcome to Tasty Pages, a podcast from Cooking the Books. Uh, per usual, we'll get a little housekeeping out of the way. If you go to our website, wecookbooks.com, Click on the store tab. That will direct you to our Amazon.com affiliate page. And from there, you can click any number of links. Kitchen essentials for home cooks, cookbooks, fun food finds. Whatever you click, you're sure to find something exciting and interesting Mm -hmm. that you could buy. Mm -hmm. And it won't cost you anything more. We'll get a little something in return. It's the best, most immediate way that you can support what we're doing here. Right? Yes. All right. I, I uh, have to say, I'm very proud of you. You didn't say, we'll get a few pennies. Nope. I, I tried to be concise. <laughs> we, got, we, got a, we got a lot to talk about on this episode. So, you know, you got to get right to it. Yes. You had your birthday? I had my birthday. It was a great, great birthday. Thanks to me. Uh, thanks to you. <laughs> yeah, actually, Take it all yes. the credit. No. Take it all the credit. I, well, I mean, you made it happen. Uh, we went to... A brewery called Dangerous Man, and uh, they were doing a little belated David Bowie birthday celebration. Yes, they had, I, a, they had a really cool beer that you had. They had a couple. Well, they had a couple glitter beers on tap that had like the edi- like really really fine edible um, glitter dust s- suspended within the beer. Um, I had a, it was like a fruit cobbler IPA, and I mean it had this great little swirl pattern it was it was like a it was like a kind of duochrome type situation happening a a purple hey ooh, Ooh. they could they could use the same one for Jimi hendrix (laughs) right (laughs) 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 purple haze purple haze yeah um let's see oh they were giving out free donuts and you know i've come to the conclusion that donuts are overrated yeah Ooh, that's gonna make some people mad well take 
I mean, these, like, I had, like, a, a chocolate-covered long john. I don't know. It was boring. I, there are so many other things that I'd rather waste my calories on. So. Yeah, you tried to get me to indulge, and I was like, nope. <laughs> not for me. And then, but I got a good good photo that I put on, on our story posts. For, hold, holding a beer and donut. Yep. Um, let's see what else. I, I had, like, a little four-ounce taster of the milk chocolate stout which i love that was good and then they also have a mashup of their milk chocolate stout and a peanut butter porter that i had a little tester thing of and that was freaking delicious it was so good it was good so what else did we do uh okay then we went bowling yeah at this place called elsie's so a a northeast minneapolis institution i used to for for years and years and years i used to be in a bowling league there as a kid surprised they didn't remember you (laughs) roll out the red carpet for you especially since it was your birthday and all Uh uh-huh i'm sure victoria welcome back right you you used to be we've got your special ball right here set Mm. aside i had my own ball i didn't where is it now? Long gone. Probably doesn't fit you anymore. <laughs> you, you have to get the holes drilled <laughs> yeah. a little larger. But it was cool because uh, like it's the bowling alley itself was given a facelift. Uh, the score like it the score is automatically taken. So My you, kind of bowling alley. Right. So you don't have to worry. You don't have to learn the intricate. Inti- I can never say the word. Intricacies. Yes. Of like how to score. How here to, for you. Uh, thank you. How to score a strike or a spare. I just want to drink drinks and throw rocks. Yes. I don't want to be keeping score. Nope. I don't want to be burdened with that task. Nope. And it was our, um, it was drinking day, obviously. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We ended our dry January with a bang. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a bourbon while I was drinking and, or while I was bowling and then, while you were drinking, you really, you right? really went wild. <laughs> and then, uh, and then we went to we went. Out, they have like this restaurant bar attached. Uh, now this was the real throwback because this did not look like it had been no received it, a facelift. Absolutely not. It looked exactly the same as I remember because I I went in there like when I was in my twenties. Like it was kind of a place where. We go hang out every now and again. Get a Salisbury steak. I don't know if the food was that ambitious. Even <laughs> what, what 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 did you have? I don't remember what you had for lunch. Uh, salad. Okay, yeah, I had I had like a shitty Caesar salad with the dressing on the side. And yeah. okay, number one, don't just here's here's some pearls of wisdom from me to you guys. Don't ever order a glass of wine from a oh, bowling yeah. alley. I don't know what you were thinking. <laughs> I ordered a glass of Malbec. Oh, geez, Victoria. And it was <laughs> disgusting. Like I brought it back. I was like, I was like, this is terrible. I'll take a bourbon. <laughs> it was so gross. What um, do you think the last time someone was uh, someone had ordered a Malbec? Oh, there? I'm sure that there are plenty of. I mean, that wine was vintage. It's from like the 70s. No, it hasn't I, been touched since. No, then. I'm sure there are plenty of women like my age or older that go there. Bar flies. Okay, I'm I'm just gonna like make up this scenario okay. in my head. The the bar flies and the ladies who are in um, uh, bowling leagues. I'm sure they drink wine. I mean, oh, do you think uh, like 
bowlers have groupies? Random thought. They do. I'm yeah? sure they do. Huh. I'm sure they do. Wow. They're, the exciting world any, of bowling. Any kind of sport has... The seedy underbelly of bowling. I'm sure any kind of sport has like groupies. Yeah. Full, just like, yeah. <laughs> I should I should, uh, I should investigate this. Yeah. So, Write an essay or something. Do a documentary. So, oh, and then also, uh, let's see. I had a big giant steak. That was yes. delicious. Uh, Johnny made me a fika cake, which is like yeah. uh, the Swedish coffee break cake. From the Dory Greenspan book, mm-hmm. Baking with Dory. And why don't you tell people what a fika cake is exactly? Um, I mean, it's just like a, a layer, single layer cake, mm-hmm. uh, lots of butter. Uh, it gets... This mixture of like butter and slivered almonds um, that's kind of caramelized and dumped on top of the cake while it's still warm and then it goes back in the oven so that topping gets really like kind of brown and almost crispy and then uh, it's it's done in the spring form, spring form pan. Um, I don't know. We, we enjoyed it. We, we finally finished it off last night. <laughs> A little tired of eating cake now. Yeah. Um, but it was delicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else can we talk about? Oh, we are going roller skating tonight. Yep. It's an adult skate night. Got to go out to the suburbs for that because mm-hmm. there's, there's not a lot of roller rinks around anymore. Mm, no, there's not. Uh, 50-year-old Johnny is going to strap on a pair of roller skates. Ugh. This is going to be really awesome or really terrible. Please don't hurt yourself. We might be doing the next podcast episode from the hospital room. Please don't hospital hurt yourself. Bed. Although I, know, I, I, I always criticize my older friends that you know that are like my age or older that that still skateboard and stuff. I've got some friends that are still pretty avid skateboarders and they're doing all these tricks. And, but and then I had a buddy that like broke, broke his, his arm. arm, and I'm just like, see, that's what you get for being that old man trying to skateboard, and I'm gonna be that old man tonight, mm-hmm. hopping on the roller skates. Well, so. I haven't, I haven't skated. I think since we moved in here. I mean, I took a spin around the halls, but fun times. <laughs> but I didn't. Uh, I haven't. Didn't go down to the Greenway or anything. Um, I'm a little worried because I still have my outdoor wheels on my skates. Um, for those of you who don't know, I skate. It's how I kind of got through lockdown. Uh, when the gym was closed in the summer. Let's not skip over the good part. Prior to that, you were in a roller derby league and you were on a team. mm -hmm, I was on the Windy City Rollers. The inaugural season of it. Yep. Uh, Let's see. Uh, My team team was the Manic Attackers. My uh, derby name was Penitentiary. Nice. Uh, Yeah, and um, so I still have my... Well... I had to get rid of my old skates because they both disintegrated at the same time while I was wearing them. Nice. <laughs> the trucks came off the boots. Um, so. You were talking about outdoor wheels. Oh, yeah. So, uh, but, I've, you know, I had been uh, skating outdoors uh, and th- there are outdoor wheels and indoor wheels and I'm too lazy to. Do they have wheels for skating in snow? 
No, they Ooh, don't. Those would come in handy right now. <laughs> right. Um, and I have not changed my wheels, so I don't know how that's going to be. Um, I'm not going to be like speedy or anything, so I think okay. it should be okay. I'll be in some rental skates. <laughs> that have probably seen better days, so you know, maybe I'll have a chance to keep up. Oh, let's see. I started taking a ceramics class. Yep. Um, it's been a couple decades since I've been behind the pottery wheel. And I actually, uh, there's electric wheels and kick wheels. I never worked with a kick wheel, and I actually prefer it to the electric wheel. Yeah, so stay tuned. We're going to have our unique handcrafted food photography props that Victoria is going to make. Uh, let's see. I'm, I successfully made two, well, I, I threw two bowls. I had two failures. Uh, we'll see how they come out once they're glazed and fired. Do they make it through firing? I didn't feel any air bubbles or anything. I'm sure so. they'll be fine. I have faith. You I can hope do so. it. I hope so. Right. But it was a lot of fun. So Can't wait. All right. Want to talk about what we are kind of working on at the moment? Uh, yeah, we are working on. So we decided uh, January we were... Um, God, I feel like I'm talking so much. It's okay. You're picking up the slack for me because I'm about <laughs> ready to doze off over here. Um, so we did uh, vegetarian January, and we're kind of j- we're just kind of keeping that rolling. I think we're gonna let it ride. Mm-hmm. That um, was the one thing I got out of uh, our dry January and and meatless January is um, I really kind of enjoyed. You know, most well in January we ate entirely plant based mm-hmm. diet, and and so even though we're done with that, I think we're kind of continuing it. Yeah, and I, I really enjoy it. It's a lot cheaper. Uh, yeah, I was going to say <laughs> economical reasons, health reasons, yeah. ethical reasons. Like there's just benefits all around. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so uh, we are working through Ultimate Veg by Jamie Oliver. Um, Good book so far. Yeah, and uh, for lunch, we actually had some leftover uh, gumbo from that. Yeah. And then... For we don't get to enjoy gumbo often because traditionally it would include shrimp, which you're allergic to. Well, and plus, if you make traditional gumbo, you have to make a dark root, and it takes freaking forever. Yep. You're chained to your stove for, for a good 30, 40 minutes. Just um, for the roux. Just for the roux. Um, and then tonight... Tonight we are doing a, a burrata and... Melon. I got it right here. You want me to yeah. say the official title? Yes. Shaved fennel. Mm-hmm. Melon. Mm-hmm. Mozzarella. Mm-hmm. We're going to use burrata instead. Mm-hmm. With crispy capers. Right? Mm, I, I totally would have missed the crispy capers. Mint. I didn't see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chili mm-hmm. and a sticky balsamic dressing. All right. And then we're going to go skate. Yes. <laughs> so a little light meal before we go roller skating. Yes. You don't want to be weighed down. I'm, I'm going to be speeding laps around you. No, you won't. Uh, <laughs> so that's dinner tonight. Oh, I got a book recommendation. Okay. I don't even know if I told you about this yet. I got it from the library and I've just been kind of getting started with it. Uh, it's called Food Horror. A novel of dining and deceit. I mean, you don't have to tell me about it because I did see it sitting on your yes. nightstand. <laughs> uh, like it's some big secret. No, I'm, I'm not reading it in secret or anything. It's 
not that kind of book. Uh, Jessica Tom is the author. So the, the basic synopsis is uh, it uh, is about uh, the main character is Tia Monroe. She recently moved to New York City to attend school. She's a food, uh, avid food writer. Uh, and she has this uh, coveted internship that she was hoping to get that fell through. But uh, that means she hooked up with uh, legendary New York Times restaurant critic Michael Saltz. And he reveals to her that he's lost his sense of taste and has uh, approached her with an idea that she ghostwrite the restaurant reviews. And in return, she'll have an opportunity to eat these lavish meals at restaurants. Um, He'll give her like an unlimited expense account to purchase designer clothes. And she'll have this opportunity to write material that will be published in the New York Times. But the catch is it'll be under Michael Saltz's byline. And then uh, I haven't got to the point where she starts to have like second thoughts about this arrangement and starts to feel a little weird about this guy taking credit for her work. So, I mean, it was described (laughs) as uh, Devil Wears Prada. Meets Kitchen Confidential. See, it kind of sounds like a like a very, 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 like you do this for me, like uh, kind of loosely based on Cyrano de Bergerac, like little elements of that. We'll see. Okay. Yeah, so far, so good. The writing's good. I'm I mean, whoa, it. a man taking credit for a woman's work. <laughs> How novel. Woo. My mind is blown because that, yep. that never happens. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh should we move on to the show topic yeah all right uh so we put this out we figured it was appropriate having just completed this uh for january what is your favorite vegetable and we got some great responses uh let's start with our friend joseph p who said baby asparagus yum yeah i no, prefer all that fat stuff that's like a small child's arm <laughs> or one of the souvenir bats that yeah. you get <laughs> yeah. you get nope. at the baseball stadium it's all about the baby asparagus <laughs> it's really the only way to go as far as i'm concerned uh mary dot and Lebon dot kitchen said aubergine uh, or eggplants for you fellow dumb americans yes um Maxwell Gregory 2018 said i love using cauliflower so versatile agreed we hear you uh at We In The Kitchen said carrots. Mm. Good one. Uh, at A-Y-A-Y Eats uh, said mushrooms. Another solid choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Linda Hart Laub said broccoli. We've been eating a couple broccoli dishes as of late and kind of rediscovering I'm, it. I'm kind of coming around yeah. to it. See, one of the reasons why I think I was put off broccoli is because... It's it's often used on crudite platters. Well, this just Which comes is boring. This just comes from like uh you know, my mom using it at home and then, you know, she puts it in Tupperware after you know, she'd put it in Tupperware afterwards. Then it smells like a fart explosion. Yeah. <laughs> so that grosses me out. I think with most vegetables it's all in how it's prepared. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people that think that they don't like a particular vegetable, I would invite you to give it a chance and have it prepared properly because in the case of broccoli, a lot of times the the lazy preparation is just like you said, like raw on a crudite platter or steamed. 
Or boiled within yeah. an inch of its life. And man, you haven't lived until you've like charred it mm-hmm. in the oven. Mm-hmm. It's delicious. Case in point with um, having shit prepared improperly um, at my love and spoonful said Brussels. Yep. And I feel like a lot of people like I know as kid as a kid, I had like boiled Brussels sprouts and yep. they smell once again, they smell like farts. Yep. Nobody wants to eat farts. <laughs> They're like little baby cabbages. They're, What's not to love? Our dog you Franklin. Our dog Franklin used to love, love Brussels sprouts. He was like a canine garbage can. He was. He'd eat anything. Yes. Uh, at Wonder and Sundry said carrots. Another vote for that. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, I have a last minute entry that I had to jot down by hand. But Was uh, that from Yaz? Yep. I saw it. Yazmataz, Chicago, said corn. Mm-hmm. There you go. All right. What did you pick? Um, I had a few. Okay. Um, and, and a lot of these are, are, you know, what we've just been discussing where they're such versatile vegetables and you can prepare them a variety of different ways and get Completely different outcomes and tastes and flavors and stuff. So first one being mushrooms, um, just for the sheer variety that's available. I mean, uh, you do something with a portobello or like a king trumpet, drastically different than some little like white button mushrooms or shiitakes or something. So and and you can roast them. We had that dish the other day. Where we put them in, uh, was it the soup? And then we roasted them in the oven. So they almost took on like the texture and not completely the flavor, but in that same vein uh, of like bacon. So like if you're vegan or vegetarian, but you want that kind of like texture and flavor profile, you can like roast these mushrooms on a sheet tray in the oven. I seriously don't remember what you're talking about. uh, It was in the Jamie Oliver book. So it's a kanji bowl that had a soft-boiled egg on it, mm-hmm. and then it had what he refers to in the recipe as like a shiitake bacon. Yeah, but I wouldn't. Cu- it didn't. It didn't taste like bacon. It was just I, like I think texturally, because it got a little crispy from from roasting it in the oven. Okay. Well, you know, give give give, oh. give, him, give him a pass. He's trying. Well, I mean. <laughs> Okay. But yeah, okay, so mushrooms. But it was delicious. Yes. Uh, cauliflower being mm-hmm. another one. And then as we just discussed, broccoli. Just because, uh, you know, you can, with both cauliflower and bro- broccoli, you can blend them up into like a soup. You can, uh, you know, roast them. In the case of cauliflower, you can cut them in these thick planks and grill them. And then that becomes almost like your main for like a uh, you know, a, a vegetarian meal. Oh, you um, mean cauliflower I, steaks? I hate that term, so I, I refuse to use it. <laughs> okay. Because they have nothing in common with steaks. And, and they can stand on their own as just, you know, mm-hmm. grilled cauliflower planks. How about that? That sounds very, very uh, masculine. Are we grilling, roasting, grilled? or sautéing? We're grilling them on the, on the grill. Grilled cauliflower planks. Okay, if you say so. Extreme. Okay. Right? Sure. What would you have? Um... Well, you kind of took mine. <laughs> I said okay. I said mushrooms. Yeah. Um, they have like a really earthy flavor. They can stand on their own. They make a great meat substitute. Um, there are so many varieties too, and you know you there get are, those button ones in a can. 
Oh, right? yeah. All the mushrooms except for the gross can. Like my mom used to get like, but when I was a kid, I loved the canned mushrooms. They're like tiny and slimy and they're you disgusting. You a pizza. And then and, you and doctor they, it up. And then, yeah, I don't know why they just didn't get mushroom. I, I think it was because maybe the uh, pizza place put the like sliced raw mushrooms on there. Uh, you know, before it went in the oven and, and my mom didn't like those. So she wanted the like, canned button slimy mushrooms instead. Let's downgrade this pizza. Yep. yep. So that's, gross. That's what it was. Um, and also, you know, I, I think I have to add onions because you can caramelize them. They take on this great sweetness. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a great little punch of flavor if you're going to use them, uh, as a garnish, um, they add texture and flavor. And, you know, they're like kind of a building block of most things that you make. Well, and depending on the variety, they can be sweet. Mm-hmm. They can be, that you know, in the case of a red onion, they can have like a nice pleasant bite to it. See, can- I think red onions raw are gross. They're a little assertive. I don't like them. If you roast them up, Oh, they're so delicious. And generally, I think I think the dish we're having tonight has raw red onion in it. But generally, what uh, I will do with that, or even shallots for that matter, is I'll soak them and give rinse them a, them a rinse, few times yeah, just to tame it takes, that. It takes away some of the bite. Yeah. Um, so thanks everyone for uh, answering the question. Great uh, one. Yeah. All right, let's dive into the book okay. "Treasures of the Mexican Table." All right, Patty Heenich. And All we've right. been pronouncing it wrong previously. But, I uh, know. What, what a I'm surprise. S- I'm such an asshole. <laughs> like, really, all I had to do <laughs> was... <laughs> Better late than never. Uh, so, I think this book kind of falls into that category of um, when you're dealing broadly with a country like Mexico, uh, which has 32 states, and you're trying to narrow down like the cuisine. Uh, it's not unlike United States or China or something where, um, or Indian food for that matter, where people will you know just kind of paint it with a broad brush like, you know, oh, I don't like Indian food or Chinese food is spicy mm-hmm. or something like that. And, you know, the flavors of like traditional Mexican cuisine are probably one of our favorites to both eat and cook. I guess I don't want to speak for you, but I know... For me, it is. Um, But, you know, within that, I think this book really kind of breaks down all these different cuisines that are like specific to certain regions. Mm -hmm. And so it really gives you a variety more so than you might find in something, you know, where they just focused on a particular region or, or just from an author who maybe wasn't as well versed in all of the different, uh, you know, regions and and cuisines available. Well, and I feel like a lot of people's exposure to Mexican food doesn't really go beyond like tacos, burritos and nachos. Um, There, there are, there is this, that kind of food in the book, Mm -hmm. but it's so much more like you were saying. Yeah. And uh, you know, the book itself is divided into chapters such as soups, uh, they have one beans, rice, and pasta. There's a seafood section. There's a salads and vegetables. So it really gives you this nice overview of all these different cuisines. And like you said, if you want to 
get beyond just the typical like burritos and tacos, this is probably a great introduction to that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's no surprise that this book uh, was actually number four on my year end best of 2021 list. This was it was one of the last books that we it was. worked out of. And I think I feel like we had already come up with our list before we started this. And so you didn't you put like that was like a last minute addition. Yeah. Because I could have added it to my list. And, yeah. But I was like lazy. <laughs> No, and, and uh, you know, if you haven't listened to that episode, please go back and do so because we talk a little bit more detail about it. But um, suffice to say, this was a great book. Uh, without further ado, I'll let you introduce the different dishes we made and then we'll go into a little more detail about them. Okay. Um, bullet points here. Uh, you could take on huevos rancheros, beef brisket in Colorado chili sauce. Zucchini and corn in poblano sauce. Pan-fried fish with garlic, almonds, and guajillos. And one more. Dressed up chicken. (laughs) (laughs) Dressed up chicken soup? Yes. Yes. Uh, Let's let's go to the uh, Yucatecan huevos rancheros. Um, So... Here's a. F- we used to go to uh, when we first started dating. There was a we would go out for breakfast all the time, which is funny because I don't really eat breakfast. Yeah. And I believe that we had this for dinner. So, so you don't subscribe to the notion that it's the most important meal of the day. It is not. <laughs> um, but anyway, we would always get huevos rancheros. That was kind of our go-to breakfast and so this is kind of like a nice hauler back to that um a little more elevated though not not the one that you get at uh denny's at two in the morning does denny's even have huevos uh they have moons, moons over, over my, my hammy, hammy. Yeah. yeah no <laughs> um so we we made a few changes just due to what we had on hand um because this uh the recipe calls for sliced deli ham but we had some bacon that we wanted to use up. And, you know, if we're being honest, I'd much rather put bacon on it anyway. Than yeah, I'm not a big ham. ham. I'm not a big ham fan. No. Um, we used some chopped avocado and flour tortillas instead of corn. Um, I feel like this had a lot. It kind of had a lot of steps. It did. Um, there there were some beans in there homemade black beans we had some on hand because we uh from a previous dish mm-hmm. um there were also peas and queso fresco and then there was some um sauteed plantain slices which was another step um a lot of work for breakfast it was <laughs> um i mean delicious but I also think this would have been really good with some cactus paddles. Sure. Napolitos. Um, good luck finding those in Minneapolis. Or have you seen them somewhere? Uh, they had some at Cub the other day. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And I'm sure you could get them down at the Mercado, or like one of the Mercados. That is true, which we have yet to explore. Yeah. We, we live in a, uh, an, an area in Minneapolis that has a, a pretty significant uh, Latino population. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it had uh, a lot of different ingredients. Yeah. Very filling. 
Very fancy. Very yes, <laughs> very fancy for breakfast. Um, Let's talk beef brisket in Colorado chili sauce and carne con chili. Yes. Uh, okay, I had never heard of the Colorado chili. Um, apparently, they are grown in the Andes Mountains. They have a moderate heat and a fruity flavor. They're like twelve to fifteen centimeters long. We did not have them, so I believe we used guajillo chilies. I that we I had used, on hand. Yeah, because we, we have a whole, uh, you know, Tupperware storage bin of dried chilies. Different. Uh, anchos. Di- and, yeah. Uh, and so I just reached for those and I figured it would be a, and a good enough approximation of this. It, it would have been great to stay, tr- you know, traditional to the recipe, but we do what we can. Yeah. So this was another dish that had... Uh, Took a lot of time, had a lot of steps. Uh, there was making the beans from scratch. Which I can say I've done. They were delicious. They were delicious. Um, to make the brisket, it got simmered with some onions, garlic, bay leaves for about an hour and a half. Then you let that cool down and you shred it. Um, then you make your stew. It's garlic, chilies, tomatoes that are cooked down. Then you blend them up. Then you add, uh, then you make a roux, add your puree, add some of the broth from the brisket and the brisket, and you let that cook for half an hour. That's what you're saying is a quick weeknight meal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is going to take some time. This is not something that you just whip up. Um, and we served it, uh, you can serve it with rice, whatever. If you want to go crazy, put some noodles in it or something. Yeah. Um, we served it with uh, tortillas, some butter lettuce. Uh, we had queso fresco on hand. Yeah, we basically made like little stew brisket, tacos. Yeah, brisket <laughs> stew tacos. Yeah, and it was delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, the heat level was nice. It was it was more of a smoky, spicy rather than like hot, spicy. Yes, um, which I appreciate. And we had if you will have leftovers. It makes plenty. Yeah. Yep. Um, this would be a good thing to make for a crowd, especially like a weekend if you're feeding a, a crowd. Absolutely. Well, and it would be something you, like nice depth of flavor. It would be if you could make it for a brunch too. Also, yep. uh, serve it with some eggs or whatever. Um, next up was the zucchini and corn in poblano sauce, um, calabacitas de tapachula. There you go. This was something that I had never heard of. Described in the book as a Mexican version of ratatouille. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, it's uh, zucchini and corn and uh, panela cheese, which I will get to, in a roasted poblano sauce. And for those of you who do not know, and it was our first exposure to panela cheese, um, it's really similar to paneer. And also Indian cheese. Mm-hmm. And also it's a good substitute for halloumi, which we love. Yep. It's it's a good cheese for you can sear it and it will still hold its texture. So it's and, kind of a firm white skim milk variety cheese. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this. You can also uh, crumble it like cotilla or mm-hmm. queso fresco. So it's kind of a versatile cheese. Yes. And we did not eat this alone. We served this with the next thing that we made, which is 
pan fried fish with garlic, almonds, and guajillos. Favorite dish of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, pescado al aljillo con almondros y guajillos. Oh, God, I probably wow. butchered that. You're brave. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even attempt that. Mm-hmm. Good one. Um, fish dish. Oh, God. See? I sound like uh, <laughs> British high society over here. He, fish dish. He always over enunciates the fish dish. And sometimes I think it's really cute, and then other times it drives me bananas. I'm, I'm, I'm upper crust. D- no. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we continue? Yes. Um, so there's uh, varieties of this dish all up along the Mexican coast. Mm-hmm. Um, this one uses guajillo chilies, which I, I don't believe we had those, did we? Or did yeah. We buy okay, we did we have some, some of those. Okay. I think we ended up using up the ones that we had. Mm-hmm. Um, and we used Chilean sea bass as our fish. Uh, it gets pan fried and then it gets coated with a nice mixture of butter, garlic, uh, chilies, and almonds. It's like poured over the fish. It is this beautiful, like kind of orangish amber color. Mm-hmm. Oh, Ooh, we learned a new kitchen hack too. Well, you learned a new kitchen yep. hack. <laughs> like it's rocket science. What are you trying to say? <laughs> so rather than cut the dried chilies into thin strips with a with a kitchen knife, uh, you use the kitchen shears to slice them into thin strips because you know that skin on the chilies is kind of pliable and it's not really easy to cut through with a knife. But kitchen shears makes quick work of it, right? Follow me for more kitchen hacks. <laughs> Yeah, I take my victories where I, when I can. Uh, good for you. Yep. <laughs> um, lastly, we did dressed up chicken soup, caldo la peño. Yeah, what what can we say about this? I mean, comfort food at its finest. Basically, like a really elevated chicken soup. I don't think it's elevated so much. I mean, a little different than what most people probably make it. Well, yeah, because. We're not Mexican. But, uh, but you, you got these dried chilies that you're, uh, I, don't, I don't know, I just think it has a little more depth of flavor than like a traditional chicken soup. Okay. That's just my hot take. Okay, if yeah. you say so. Um, this has chickpeas. Look at me, I'm being so argumentative. I, I For no reason. <laughs> trying to pay this soup a compliment and you're being contrary. I'm like, no, it's not elevated. It's soup. Um <laughs> Uh, this has chickpeas, carrots, green beans, um, some dried and canned chipotles. Um, and there are a couple things you can do. You can puree cilantro in with the soup base. Which is what we did. Mm-hmm. And that yields like a, a brick colored soup. That was a nice dark colored soup. Mm-hmm. It was or, or you can add the cilantro later and the soup will be uh, a little brighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, fair amount of heat in this one too mm-hmm. so so let's go ahead and talk about the reviews i will read the first one okay. <laughs> so yeah before we get to our reviews per usual we uh hopped on amazon pulled out a few critical amazon reviews so we found two one star reviews I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna let you do the first one because oh this God. is probably one of the more bizarre ones okay. that we've ever come across one out of five stars Love the content. Book was too heavy and hard for my wife to hold. 
I mean, okay. Too heavy and hard to hold. There is a serious lack of critical thinking here. Number one. You Might can I put, suggest an ebook? You can well there Might are Might I book, suggest a gym membership? There are book holders. Might I suggest a new husband? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe the wife is disabled and she has a hard time. But you can put the book on the counter. You can get a book holder. This is not a heavy book. And who's who's going to cook and hold their book? Yeah. Never ever have I seen that. No. And why why you got to be so mean and give it one star if you love the content? But not the weight. I don't understand. Yep. Like my my mind is seriously blown. I don't think there's a Cliff Notes version of this book quite yet. No. But, oh my uh, gosh. All right. Uh, I'll I'll do the second oh, man. review. Okay. So this is from uh, Bubbles, and they gave it a one out of five. Uh, horrible book. Terrible recipes. Uh, that's my Bubbles impression. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was in all caps, by yep. the way, too. I received this book as a gift from folks that don't know. That in my opinion, the best and only Mexican cookbooks are those by Diana Kennedy. I grew up in Mexican City, Mexico City, sorry. And uh, Diana Kennedy's recipes are the only recipes that are authentic. Strange for a British chef, cookbook writer. I mean, to be fair, she's quite an authority on she's, Mexican she's, cuisine. She's but, 98 years old. But, uh, she calls her, I think she kind of refers to herself as like a culinary anthropologist. Sure. And she lived there and whatnot. Oh, yeah, but yeah. I'm, I'm not I'm not questioning her credentials at all. I just think it's funny that this person who uh, claims they grew up in Mexico City, that's, that's their go-to I know, for, right? I mean, because I'm sure there's like a plethora yes. of, uh, you know, Mexican food authorities that they could turn to and and they're narrowing it down to this. Uh, then they said they go on to say Diana lives in Mexico and traveled all around the Mexican countryside for many years. I do not intend to keep this book. I will donate it to my local library. That is if they would like to have it. I mean, you could oh. always just return it yeah. and get your money back. No. Nope. Okay. Gotta go on Amazon and write a horrible review. Gotta harumph. Yep. <laughs> Take your ball and go home. All right. Okay. Uh, yeah, and don't don't mistake that I was like uh, saying anything negative about Diana Kennedy because I think her credentials. Speak oh, for, she sounds for herself. Yeah. Nine books on Mexican cooking. Yeah. As you said, lives there for many years. Host classes. Uh, her experience with the cuisine goes back to the 1960s. So, you know, no question. But I'm just, uh, all I'm saying is Patty Heenich is no slouch herself. No. She's been <laughs> in this game a long time. <laughs> That's like someone, uh, you know, saying uh, Wu-Tang Clan is bunk and uh, it's all about like Biggie or something. And like, and like, Biggie's the only person. Yeah. L- listen to me. Like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> now I just sound ridiculous. I'm talking about Biggie and Wu-Tang. All right. Well, I think you thought of it because I'm wearing a Wu-Tang shirt. <laughs> you are. <laughs> Wu-Tang is for the children. Oh, we're, we're ridiculous. All right. Let's get to our rankings. Food photography and styling. All right. You start first. What'd you um, give it? I gave it a five. Okay. Um, the It's funny. The photographer in that book is named... Angie Mosier and I have a, a I have a cousin. Yes, Angie Mosier, which I thought was really. Does she have a side gig that we don't know I, about? Apparently so. <laughs> Food photography and styling. Uh, emphasis on textures and surfaces. So a lot of the photos had some nice linens and some cool surfaces that they were photographed on. Great use of props. 
Um, there was kind of a combination of uh, like close-up shots, 45-degree angle shots, overhead shots. All of them had kind of a rustic, unfussy presentation. Um, garnishes were usually kind of casually scattered about on the plates. Um, everything looked appetizing, which I think is impressive considering that much of the food is brown. Mm-hmm. So for that reason alone, I had to give it a five because I, you know, you page through that book and you're like, oh, that looks good. That looks delicious. I want to make that. So that's, uh, that's, uh, impressive accomplishment for okay. photographing Mexican food. All right. What'd you have? I gave it a 3.5. Okay. Um, I felt like it was like fairly standard. Like you said, there was, you know, overhead shots, flat lays, um, the hard and soft textures, like the hard backgrounds, and then you get the soft textures um, with the linens and stuff. Um, and like you said, lots of the food is like muted around, but it still looks really delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, there is... There's actually a photo on page 249 that is all the ing- it's a flat lay of all the ingredients for mole uh-huh. that I love. Okay, I I'm love. Have to go back and look at that again. And one thing I don't know if you notice this, like all the books that we see now, there always seem to be like hands. Yeah, in, there were no hands. No. So I did notice that. You know. No, like, action shots yeah. or, or selfies um, or anything. Yeah. Yeah, there were no, like, other than um, the one photo of Patty in, in the introduction, her mug was not to be seen in the book at all. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds like I kind of gave it a bad score, but I, I like I like the photography. Just I just thought it was okay. Yeah, I just, okay. I didn't think it was... Average. Yeah. It was average. Okay, mm-hmm. fair. Um. It was well done, but I wasn't like, whoa, these photos. Uh, design and layout. Okay. I gave it a four. Uh, there's 11 different... Okay, this book is packed with information. Lots of writing. And strangely, not a lot of like extra material. No. So a lot of the writing comes from the head notes for the mm-hmm. recipe, which I would say are a little bit longer mm-hmm. than most cookbooks. Yep. Where they'll just have like a few sentences kind of introducing it. So yeah. Yeah. Good observation. It's broken into, other than the introduction, it's broken down into 11 different food sections. All of the food titles are in English and Spanish. Also, uh, in the recipe intros, she talks about basically what area the dish is from. Mm -hmm. uh, If she does like some kind of variations... And then it goes into ingredients and methods. And what I notice is that there are no headers for the ingredients or methods, which is kind of the standard in in cookbooks. Right. Um, uh, there will be cook's notes at the end of the recipe. Uh, sometimes there's ingredient highlights or more info about the dish, uh, which will be in like a peachy pink box at the yeah, bottom of the little page. little sidebar kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, what did you give it? I gave it a four as well. Okay. Uh, like you said, chapters are divided into these different kind of like broader topics. So there's like a soup chapter. There's one that talks about like tacos, quesadillas, burritos, tamales. There's, there's one that kind of deals with all your condiments. So it's like salsas, pickles, guacamoles, uh, there's uh, beans, rice, and pasta. So you can really kind of pick and choose um, 
what you, what kind of dish you want to make. There's a dessert section. There's a salad section. So lots to choose from, lots of options. As you mentioned, there's some little sidebars that dive a little deeper into specific ingredients. So there's like something about pumpkin seeds. There's something about... Um, Crema. Avocado leaves, mm-hmm. which I was completely unfamiliar with. And, you know, corn and flour tortillas. So they go a little deeper into it, kind of give you the, you know, the overview talk about differences or uses and I I thought that was really helpful because uh, you know if you really want to familiarize yourself more with Mexican cooking this you know this book is a great resource for that Um, as you mentioned it gives the Spanish name as well as English translation um, and then it has those cook notes and and tips Mm -hmm. for dishes when appropriate so yeah that I thought this was a really good design and layout overall uh, degree of difficulty. What did you give it? I gave it a three. Okay. I really think it depends on the individual recipe. Um, there are some things in here that are quite simple. There are some things like uh, there's a roast turkey recipe in here that you know most people would probably use for like a Thanksgiving or Christmas feast, and it's maybe not technically difficult, but as you can imagine, it's very time consuming and contains several steps. So it really depends on the recipe. Um, That's about all I can say on it. I gave it a 3.5. Okay. Uh, Yeah, like some of the recipes have really long ingredient lists. Mm -hmm. And within the recipe, there will be one, two, three things that you also have to make from like a whole nother recipe that you have to make from scratch. Yeah, and we encountered some of that with the things that we made too. So basically, you really have to read your recipe before you start anything from this book. You need to read the recipe thoroughly and plan accordingly Mm -hmm. because some of these things you, if you try and make them for dinner, you will be eating at 1 a.m. Right. Um, and, but and in the case of some of the things, you need to do some advanced preparation, too, yes. like an overnight soak for some mm-hmm. beans or, you know, a marinade or something. So, uh, yeah. But I have to say, all that work leads into taste, which I gave it a five. Yep. Everything was delicious. The heat levels were satisfying. Um, nothing was like hot to be hot. Uh, it, like it was spicy but not hot. Uh, really good depth of flavor on everything. And, and that you took the words right out of my mouth because that's what that's what I was gonna say. Like I've used that term a couple times in this episode, but like all this effort is worth it because you're rewarded with this dish that is complex and has like that depth of flavor and. You can tell it's, you know, some care went into it and was made from scratch. And I would feel confident like anything that I made from this book would be delicious. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yep. So. I gave it a five as well. All right. For all the reasons you mentioned. Ooh, new segment. Okay. Before we take you on out at the end of the show. Uh, So this is something that we're going to, I think we're going to do this Every episode, uh, you You'll, know, I don't know. Shoot us, us an, shoot us an email or give us DM a DM and tell tell us, us what you like think it. about so it. So we're, we're calling this food for thought, food idioms explained. Um, so this would be you know common phrases, and we can only speak for like the English language, but I'm sure they exist uh, in just about every language. But uh, 
anyway, without further ado, we're gonna we're gonna Victoria's gonna handle this. Uh, talk about the first one for the inaugural segment. All right, so we are going to talk about spill the beans. Yep, common phrase. Um, which is kind of akin to letting the cat out of the bag. There you go. Um. So the origin for this is a bit tricky. Uh, apparently, there isn't really a clear-cut uh, answer, but the consensus consensus is. Oh, and by the way, this is from this answer came from uh, Britannica.com. Uh, it's most likely derived from ancient Greek voting process, which involved beans. Uh, people would vote by placing one of two colored beans in a vase. Uh, white typically meaning yes, black would mean no, or brown would mean no. Uh, this would mean that should someone spill the beans, the the results of the election would be reveal, revealed before intended. So hence, spilling the beans means revealing secret information. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> There's so, so many of these too, so I think this will be kind of fun to to dive into these and and we're you know we're educating ourselves in the process. Yes. Um, all right. All right. So if you enjoyed the show, please rank and review us. You can follow us on our socials. Our Instagram is at we underscore cook underscore books, and our Facebook is at we cook books. All right. You know what time it is? Joke time. Yes. <laughs> Funny time. Uh, you know we go from. Uh, intelligent conversation where you learn something to just nonsense where Johnny's trying to make Victoria laugh and it usually doesn't end well. No. All right. So uh, I, I went to this restaurant the other day and it was, it was packed. It was full. There's no place to sit, no table available. So I pulled out my phone and I placed it up to my ear and I yelled really loudly, hey man, come fast. She's here with someone else. And six different couples got up and ran out of the restaurant. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, if you think cheating is funny, but okay. <laughs> I was at the like, cheater's restaurant, I, apparently. It was like the, the, hot, the hot place in town to have an it was, affair. It's called Cheater, Cheater, Funky I mean, eaters. it was right next to that like seedy motel, so it kind of made sense. <laughs> the, the motel, no-tell motel, where, yep. where you can rent rooms by the hour. Yep. Oh, look at me. I'm such a wet blanket today. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay safe. Wear a mask. Stay hungry.